All right, if you have a Bible or Bible app, you can turn to or open to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Book of Ephesians, chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. And I know that's not where we left off. The reason being, we covered the prior section when we introduced this series. Now, that was the Sunday when it was 109 degrees. So I'm, I know not everybody was here, and I understand. You were wisely uh, sparing yourself. Nonetheless, we, we did an overview of those verses. So we wanted to pick it up here in verse 17. Let me ask for the Spirit's help before Sharon reads our passage. Spirit of God, we ask you to grant us illumination. Open the eyes of our hearts to behold wondrous things. Out of your word, we pray. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the word of the Lord from Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Kids, I wanna, I wanna hear you for a moment. How many of you, kids, have read or maybe had read to you any of the Chronicles of Narnia? Anybody? Let me hear you shout out. Yeah. Some younger kids, some older kids. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, me too. How many of you have read or had read to you The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? All right, if you haven't had or haven't read these books, kids, I encourage you to do so. They're great. In The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the bratty, Eustace, he finds treasure that is essentially enchanted, enchanted by a dragon. And his love for the treasure morphs Eustace into a dragon himself. And believe it or not, he doesn't want to be a dragon. It's not very fun being a dragon. The problem is Eustace cannot take his dragon nature off. He peels one dragon layer off, there's another dragon layer underneath it. Ever feel like that yourself? Kids, you try to stop being sinfully angry, you try to peel that off, there's more there. You just can't change yourself. Adults, can you relate? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel stuck in a pattern of sin. You feel discouraged about that pattern of sin. It just keeps repeating and repeating. You feel like a broken record with that pattern of sin. You are very aware, perhaps, that you cannot change yourself. That's how Eustace was. But Aslan, 
the great lion, who represents Jesus, takes his claws as only he can, and he peels that dragon layer off of Eustace and makes Eustace a boy again. Aslan did for Eustace what Eustace could not do for himself. He undragoned him. And from that point on, of course, Eustace was to live as a boy and not a dragon. That's what this passage is like. That's what God is calling us to. Jesus Christ undragons the Christian. He undragons you. And then he calls you to live out the transformation that he alone has accomplished. That's what we see in this passage. For people who have been undragoned by the Lord Jesus Christ, we are now called to be who we are, or to be who you now are in Christ. That's sort of the takeaway point. Be who you now are in Christ. It's a call, a call that's built really on a contrast. I want to catch the contrast in this passage with you that we might feel that call. So first, first, let's call it this, see who you were. First, see who you were. The context for our passage begins way back in verse 1 of chapter 4, where God says through the Apostle Paul, walk or live in a manner worthy, worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You've already been called to Christ, he's saying. Now live in light of that reality. That's the banner over the entire second half of Ephesians. You do so first with unity. We saw that a few weeks ago. Live a life worthy of this calling with unity together. And then secondly, with a changed life. Pick it up in verse 17. Now I say, now this I say rather, and testify in the Lord. For I, I solemnly declare that you must no longer, no longer walk or live as the Gentiles do, the, the unbelieving around you and the futility of their minds. That's the call. Don't walk or live like you used to and like the world around you still does. And that call gets developed, like I said, through a contrast. Here's one side of the contrast, verse 18. They, those unbelieving around you, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because, because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. I think it's important to say here that that does not mean the unbelieving around us are as bad as possible. Many are kind and loving by God's common grace, but theologically this was their condition and ours. Futile in our minds, darkened in understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance. A morally culpable ignorance due to the hardness of heart, a calloused heart. No amount of education will fix this ignorance. You can have a PhD and be an expert in your field, but be moral, morally culpable for this kind of ignorance. And the result is in verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every 
kind of impurity. The contrast here, the contrast is like one of those advertisements for any sort of workout contraption where they show you the before picture and the guy's like slouched over. He looks terrible, like he's just about to die. And that's the before picture. And then there's some after picture. He looks like a bodybuilder. You know, and it's, it's just a striking contrast meant to show you that if you get this after picture, if you buy the contraption and get the, the after picture, you won't want to go back to before. And that's the apostle's point. Don't go back. Don't live as you once did. See who you were. And don't go back to that life. Because who you were and who you are, they're not to be mixed together. They're not the same. Christian hip-hop artist Cray, in his song, Indwelling Sin, it's a great title. In the beginning, he is in a gas station. He's buying an energy drink. He puts some money on the counter. And the cashier asks him, would you like some Hennessy to go with your energy drink? Would you like some Hennessy? Which is an alcoholic beverage if you're unfamiliar with Hennessy. McRae says, no thanks. I've got Jesus. And the cashier says, I got Jesus too. And Jesus goes great with Hennessy. Well, that's what the apostle's driving at here. Don't mix who you were and who you now are. Don't, don't flirt with that previous life. See it for what it is. You are futile in mind, darkened in understanding. You are ignorant because of your hard, callous heart. Don't go back there. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that a genuine Christian can fully and finally fall away from Christ. I'm not saying that. Nothing can snatch us out of his hands, Jesus tells us. But a genuine Christian can get ensnared in all kinds of sin. So we need this contrast in this call. Maybe you, like me, saw the sad, unfortunate news last week of a prominent pastor in New York City. He was known as a pastor to various celebrities. He baptized Justin Bieber in the bathtub of NBA star Tyson Chandler. But he was fired last week when his adultery came to light. And I, I thought, and I hope without any self-righteousness, but with sobriety, I thought how this passage might have protected him and how I need it to protect me and how you need it to protect you. We need to hear God saying, see who you were. I realize what others are like all around you. I realize what society is like all around you. See what you were. Let me show you what it's really like. Let me give you theological insight into that situation. See what you were. See what that life was like for you and be protected. Don't go back there. Where do you need to hear that 
for yourself right now. If you are here and you are a Christian, where do you need to hear, don't go back? Where do you need to see who you were, see that life for what it was for you? And be protected. Where is that for you? might be something that you're rationalizing right now that previously you would not have. might be something that you are hiding right now. You don't want anyone else to know. That's, that's always, always a warning sign. Okay? I can't think of an exception. When there's a situation in our lives where we say, I don't want anyone else knowing about this. That's a flashing red light. Where is that for you? Youth, teenagers, college age, are you thinking this way? And I'm, I'm missing out on what all those around me in this society are indulging in. This, this thing the Bible calls sin looks like so much fun. I see it on Instagram, I see it on TikTok. It looks like they're having a blast. See what that's really like according to this passage. Futility of mind. Darkened understanding. Alienation from God because of a morally culpable ignorance due to the hardness heart. You really want to go there? Sin is not your friend, young person. It's your enemy. It wants to destroy you. Or maybe you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. And we're so glad you're here. Thanks for staying in with us. We're delighted, delighted you're here with us in the park. And I'm not trying to offend you. This passage is like a CAT scan for the soul. And it's revealing that you have a condition that is terminal. But there is great hope here for you and me. Great hope. We need to see who we were and then secondly, be who you are. See who you were and then be who you now are in Christ. Here's the other side of the contrast, verse 20. Verse 20 says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. The believer in Jesus has been taken to school where they have learned Christ. For all who believe, they are transformed into the, in the school of Christ, you might say. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him, or literally, assuming you heard him. That's what it literally says. Assuming you heard him. Someone proclaimed the gospel to you, and through their words, you heard Christ. If you're a Christian, you heard him. It is like when Jesus came to the tomb of his dead friend, Lazarus, and said, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> Lazarus, who was dead, heard Jesus and came out. That's what happened for you if you are a Christian. He spoke to your dead soul, live, and you heard him. Verse 21, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He is the way, the truth and the life. Notice this, in the school of Christ, Jesus is the subject, Jesus is the teacher, 
And Jesus is kind of the new environment, you might say, or atmosphere for us. And here's the curriculum in this school, verse 22. You were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, that lifestyle he just showed us in verses 17 through 19. You were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to that life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So much of the problem centered on the mind in verses 17 to 19. Now he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Verse 24, and to put on, to put on the new self, notice, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now there's a real sense here of something we must do. It's not written precisely as a command grammatically, but most agree it has that sense of a command. And so the translators capture that for us. It's something we must do, put off and put on, and do throughout the Christian life. As the next verses make clear, and which Joshua will preach on next week, but briefly we're told, as you read on, we're told to put off lying, put on speaking the truth, put off stealing, put on working and giving, put off corrupt talk, put on words that build others up, put off bitterness, anger, and slander, put on kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. So there is something we must do and keep doing, put off and put on, but... There's also a sense that this is already something done to you if you are a Christian. So I, I just want to capture both in a way. You have already learned Christ, verse 20. You've already heard him speaking life to your soul, verse 21. You've already been taught in him, verse 21. In other words, you can do verse 17. And you can do verses 22 to 24 because you've been transformed like verses 20 and 21. The parallel passage, the parallel passage in Colossians 3 says this even more clearly. Just listen to this, Colossians 3. It says, same human author, same divine author, you have, notice that, you have, put off the old self with its practices and have, have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. For clear parallel, in Colossians 3, it's already happened. The old self, those old filthy rags already put off. The new self already put on that glorious new wardrobe which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of your creator. That's already happened in Colossians 3. And similarly in Romans 6, the Apostle Paul makes the same point. He says in Romans 6, we know that our old self, our old self was crucified with Jesus. Glorious. Our old self crucified with Jesus Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Hear how dramatic that is? Crucifixion of your old self in its place, resurrection of the new self, such that you are no longer a slave to sin. So, what's your point, Tab? Here's my point. As scholar F.F. F. Bruce points out, in Ephesians 4, 
there's a tension. In Ephesians 4, there's a tension. A tension between what is true about you and what you must do. A tension between the already and the not yet. You are already new, but not yet fully. You are definitively new, not yet completely new. So the call, the call is to be who you now are in Jesus. To live that out. Be who you now are in Jesus. Kids, it's that picture of being undragoned by Aslan, isn't it? Aslan rips off of Eustace, the dragon nature. And then basically says, now live differently. Be who you now are. I love the illustration of this that Francis Chan uses. He thinks of the old self as a caterpillar. Picture a caterpillar. Suspending its days, walking on branches, and eating leaves. That's the life of a caterpillar. That's your old self. Spending his days walking on branches and eating leaves. That's all he does. He walks slowly on branches and eats leaves. And then one day he feels this odd urge to curl up and spin a cocoon around himself. And then one day he chews his way out of that cocoon, ready for another day of walking on branches and eating leaves. And then suddenly he looks behind him and says, Come on, I've got wings, come on, look at this everybody, I've got wings now, and he doesn't just keep crawling on branches and eating leaves, he flies. That's what this is like. You are new in Christ, so be who you now are, fly, put off that old self. Put on the new self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Fly like that, you might say. But you also might say to me, and I would understand, Tab, putting off the old self and putting on the new, it's a battle. It's hard. And I would agree. You might say, Tab, I, I think I'm still battling that dragon nature every day. And I would agree. For the Christian, our, our old nature has been crucified, but it still remains in a real sense. That, that inbred propensity to rebel is still there. It's called remaining sin or indwelling sin. That inbred propensity to rebel has not been eradicated. So yes, there is a battle. But listen, the battle is a good sign. The battle is a good sign. Because previously, when you were living in that verses 17 to 19 world, previously there was no battle in your life. You were in the futility of your mind. You were darkened in your understanding. You were alienated from God. You were ignorant because of your hard heart. There's no battle then with sin. But now you do battle against it. Now you struggle against it. Now you fight it. That's a sign of spiritual life in Christ. Are you with me? 
Nobody said anything, so. <laughs> now, if you don't say anything, I'll just re-preach the whole point, and we'll be here longer. <laughs> All right. The battle is a good sign. So how can we battle? How can we be who we now are? Well, let me give you a let me give you a three-step battle plan. Probably more we could say, but here's my attempt at at least being simple. Three-step battle plan. First, remember what's been done to you. Remember what's been done to you. You battle against canceled sin. As the great hymn puts it, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. Think about it. If you were sent to prison, you would be given a prison uniform. That would define your identity. That would be who you were now as a prisoner wearing prison clothes. But when you're released from prison, you're given a new set of street clothes showing your new freedom. That's the idea in this passage. Keep putting on your new street clothes. Keep putting on your new wardrobe in Christ because that old prison garb has been taken away by Jesus. You now battle against canceled sin. You are no longer enslaved. Jesus Christ has set you free and given you a new wardrobe created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness, verse 24 says. You're wearing those clothes in a real sense right now, so be who you are. Keep putting those on. You are not entirely new, but you are genuinely new, definitively new. Believe that because that gives you hope for the battle. Believe that because that gives you faith for the struggle. Believe what's been done to you. Second, second battle strategy. Be renewed in your mind. Be renewed in your mind. A, a key, a particular key here for putting off and putting on is in your mind in verse 23. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And the tense there of the verb, be renewed, it indicates a, a daily, continuous renewal, a, a constant renewal, you might say. It's ongoing renewal of our minds with God's word by the power of God's spirit. We are, we are like a computer that needs to be reprogrammed all the time. And the new computer code that we need to be more like God comes from His Word. And then we are, then we are like Psalm 1, men and women. Where Psalm 1, the man or the woman, in this case the man, it says he delights in the law of the Lord. He delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law he, he meditates, he mutters on God's Word. He fills his mind with God's Word. And then, in so doing, he's like a tree planted by irrigation channels of water. He's always being nourished by the water of God's word and so bears fruit in its time, in its season. That's what you need. The word watering your soul constantly. The word reprogramming your computer. The word renewing your mind with what's true, what Christ has done and who you are in him. You need that constantly. So here's what you might do. Here's a simple way to do this. Take just one verse. One verse 
for that area in which you need your mind renewed. I love how David Pallison used to say, connect one bit of truth to one bit of life. For a simple person like me, I can get my mind around that. I can handle that. One bit of truth connected to one bit of life can be transformational by God's Spirit. One verse or one passage connected to some specific struggle, temptation, or sin can have a dramatic effect by God's grace. So take one verse that speaks to your struggle or one passage, meditate on it, renew your mind with it constantly. Third, third, involve others. Third, involve others. You might say, Tab, I don't see that in these verses. And that's because we skipped this verse. We preached this when it was 109 degrees. Look back to verse 15, if you have your Bible still. Ephesians 4, verse 15, just prior to our passage, we're told, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love to one another, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, speaking the truth in love is not saying, I got some truth I need to correct you with. I got a truth bomb to lay on you with. I've been waiting for to give you some truth. Put you in line. Because I love you. In the context of Ephesians, speaking the truth in love is speaking gospel truth. Speaking the good news of what Christ has done for you and to you. We speak that truth to each other and so grow up into him. So I want to ask you, friend, who in your life, who in your life knows where you need that good news spoken to you right now? Who knows that? Does anyone? Who knows where to surgically deliver good news right to where you need your mind renewed? Who knows that? Is anyone in your home group or your Bible study or a good friend? You and I need this on a regular basis to involve others, please. That's the battle plan. I want to apply it as we close to a few different possible categories because, because how you apply this is significantly shaped by just the condition of your soul this morning. If you are here and you'd say, Tab, I, I'm not yet believing on Jesus, then turn to Christ. I appeal to you, I urge you, turn to Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. He alone can undragon you. He alone is the answer you're looking for. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So surrender to him and hope only in his life, death, and resurrection, and he will meet you. The second category, maybe you're here and you, you arrived this morning and you feel right now condemned, discouraged, stuck in a pattern like a broken record. See what's been done to you. Employee battle plan number one, that you've been set free the old self crucified, raised 
to newness of life. Now do step one, and then go back to step one. And then repeat, and repeat, and repeat, until you are living in the good of what Christ has done for you. And then you will have faith and hope to pursue the change He has for you right now. Third, maybe you're in the category of the convicted. The Spirit is speaking to you about turning away from some specific sin right now. And that is God's love for you. That is God's love. Some specific thing he's saying, you need to put that off. And put something else on. You need to have a change of clothes, even right now. Something you've been rationalizing. Something you've been hiding. The way forward is to bring that into the light. Experience God's love. So remember what's been done to you as well. And heed this call to put that off. And to put on what is new. To see perhaps the contrast of the futility of mind that pattern represents. To see the darkness of understanding that represents. To see the ignorance due to the hardness of heart that represents. And don't go back any longer. Heed this call. Renew your mind and involve others. Friends, no one, no one is an island unto themselves. That is not the Christian life. You are meant to be part of a body of people speaking truth in love to each other. For all of us, for all of us, the Christian life is a race of repentance, Martin Luther said, an ongoing race of putting off and putting on, remembering what has been done to us, renewing our minds with God's word, involving others that you might be who you now are in Christ. Let's take a moment to pray, to engage with God, and we'll take the Lord's Supper together so our music team can join me and those serving us the Lord's Supper can prepare to do so. But I want to give you a moment to, to respond to God in His Word. Whatever your category Whatever your state of soul, bring that to him right now. You've yet to believe. You can say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying. I believe you've died for the sins of all who believe. Please, please, come into my life. Transform me. Turn to him and trust him. For others, the condemned or the convicted or somewhere in between, Behold what Christ has done. Ask him for the faith to now be who you are.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for the good news. That for all who are in Christ, we hurt you. For all who are in Christ, we have we have learned Christ and be taught and have been taught in Christ. We have been changed by your grace. Help us, we ask you, to live in the good of what you've done and to live out what you're calling us to do. Putting off, putting on, renewing our minds, that we might be who we are now in Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.